If you're looking for success in the vacation rental industry, Heather Bayer and the team at cottageblogger.com are here to show you that it's entirely within reach. Welcome to Vacation Rental Success, the show that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and as ever, completely delighted to be with you. It's been a fantastic week here. The the fall colors, I have never seen anything so magnificent as the fall colors in Muskoka. So, you know, if you've ever thought about coming to Ontario and, and experiencing our wonderful cottage country, then definitely the first couple of weeks of October is the time to do it. And we've had astonishing weather. Um, unfortunately, you know, as, as I'm recording this, it's the day after Hurricane Michael uh, devastated parts of the Panhandle and through Georgia and the Carolinas. My heart goes out to everybody who, who has properties in that area. And April Salter who you've heard on the podcast. She's the chair of Avroa. April has condos in Mexico Beach, and Mexico Beach was the hardest hit community. So so April, if you're listening, we're all thinking of you. We're all thinking of your neighbors, of the people that have experienced such devastation in Mexico Beach and along that part of the Forgotten Coast, which I hope will, well, actually, I do... I like the idea it's a forgotten coast because it's not it's not touristy. It's one of the most beautiful parts of Florida. If you've never been there and and explored along 98 from Panama City Beach across through to through to uh, through through Port St. Joe, through Apalachicola and then through Carabel and then up to Tallahassee. It is the most fabulous quiet just beautiful stretch of coast. Um, and I do encourage you to go down and, and take a look. Those communities are going to need support. They're going to need people coming to them to, to continue visiting. They will recover and that area is going to be just as beautiful in a short space of time. So just my thoughts are with everybody that has properties down uh, in that area of Florida. Um, Stay safe, guys, and I hope you recover quickly. So today we're talking about outsourcing. It's one of the the things that uh, that I love because I've been outsourcing things for years and things like, you know, creating PowerPoint presentations or creating short videos and doing the editing. Uh, What else do we outsource? We outsource our social media posting. You know, we don't post much to social media that is outsourced to to a company called Don't Panic Management, in fact. And I have a freelancer, a virtual assistant at Don't Panic Management, who helps with our content creation. She doesn't write the content, but she ensures that the way I write it has enough SEO juice, if you like, so that when a blog post goes out, then it's hitting the right targets in terms of SEO. So I wanted to talk 
outsourcing with the CEO, the or as she calls herself, the director of Calm at Don't Panic Management. And her name is Jess Ostroff Tyson. Jess is a writer, she's a speaker, and her company, Don't Panic Management, is an agency that, as she says, embodies a people-first approach to virtual assistant success. I mean, I've been, I've been doing hiring virtual assistants for the last 20 years and now feel that we found the right agency to work with. So I'm completely delighted to have uh, Jess join us on the podcast to talk about how to outsource some of the things that you really wish you didn't have to do. So without further ado, let's move on over to my interview with Jess. Okay, well, I am absolutely delighted to have with me this morning Jess Ostroff Tyson from Don't Panic Management. And and I have to say that after the morning I've had, I really need what we're going to talk about today, Jess, because we're talking about outsourcing some of the stuff that in our business we find completely overwhelming, um, yet we often just hang tight and keep it to ourselves because we don't think anybody else can do it better than us. And I'm quite sure you've heard that on numerous occasions. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, you um, Don't Panic Management, which is your company, has been fabulous for the vacation rental formula. And I am just starting to work with uh, with one of Don't Panic Management's virtual assistants on some of my content management. So mm-hmm. I have firsthand account of how, how this works. And I know that my business partner, Mike, does ex- uh, as well. And it's taken a huge load off him. So I'm, re- I'm excited about, to- about <laughs> talking to you about this. But let's kick off, Jess, with um, it, you, know, you telling us a little bit about yourself and what got you founding Don't Panic Management in the first place. You know, what's it all about? Sure. So I have been a virtual assistant myself. I started in 2009 as a freelance virtual assistant, not really knowing what that was. <laughs> you know, at that time, it was a pretty new industry, if you can even call it an industry at that time. But I had been working in a nonprofit world. I was doing an AmeriCorps program, which is sort of like the Peace Corps, but in America, I was a little bit lost. I, I went to business school um, for undergrad and I just I just knew I didn't want to be in one of those corporate nine to five, which really was like not nine to five. You know, it was like eight to eight or something like that. Uh, I didn't I didn't want to do that. I wanted to have control over my own life. You know, money at that time wasn't my biggest priority. Uh, It was more important for me to have location independence and to have control over my work. So that was what initially drew me to some kind of freelance work. And the virtual assistant stuff, I didn't realize at the time, but very soon after I started doing the work, you know, basically I started as basically an admin assistant, you know, things like scheduling meetings, booking travel, um, doing research, you know, sending faxes. (laughs) At that time, I was still sending faxes. Um, but I realized that it wasn't just those little things that I was doing that was helping somebody. It was actually more than that. It was giving these business owners and entrepreneurs more space and time in their own lives 
So as I was building the life that I wanted, I was also helping other people do the same thing. And ultimately, the reason I've continued doing this is because of that uh, sort of purpose that I have in my life is helping people design the life that they want. And I know some people do that in the way of um, developing courses or becoming coaches. You know, there are a lot of different ways to do that. But for me, being a virtual assistant and having a team of great virtual assistants and educating people on the value of, of delegating and getting things off your plate and only doing the things that you're uniquely qualified to do has really made a big difference in a lot of people's lives. And that's why I'm here. <laughs> you, you mentioned having been a virtual assistant way back. And I, mm -hmm. I remember that, you know, I've, I've been in in this vacation rental business for 25 years and I came mm -hmm. across virtual assistants a long time ago as well and you know there's been a lot of companies come and go or, or perhaps yep. being bought out and I, you probably remember all those names now it's Upwork is mm -hmm, the one that, mm -hmm. that, that's the major one but there was all there were all sorts of companies before that yeah um has, has anything changed in the you know the, the acquisition of virtual assistants and how how this all works in in the last you know let, let's say five or so years. Yes, definitely. When I was starting, I got a lot of a lot of the people that I talked to. I'll say they were wary <laughs> to say the least. I think they had either had their own negative virtual assistant experience or they had spoken to other friends and colleagues who had a bad experience. And unfortunately, you do hear that still to this day. But I think people are becoming more savvy about where to look for virtual assistants and how to find them and how to make sure that they're protected. You know, some of the stories I would hear would be related to um, a, an assistant who asked them for money up front and then never did the work and just kind of disappeared. Mm -hmm. Also people who, you know, said they could do a certain type of work, you know, especially technical things like maybe setting up your email marketing funnel and then just totally screwed it up and then again, disappeared. <laughs> so, um, you know, unfortunately you still hear those stories from time to time, but what I tell people is that it's kind of on you, you know, it's, it's on you as the client, as the owner of the business to make sure that you're hiring somebody that you trust. And I know that you can't necessarily know that right away, but uh, for my business in particular, you know, I only hire college-educated U.S.-based assistants. I like to know where people live. <laughs> you know, I mm -hmm. like to be able to do a background check if I need to, or or find out, you know, who they are personally, friend them on Facebook, you know, just kind of get to know a little bit more about them before I jump into hiring them. And that's a little bit different than when you go on a site like Upwork or another marketplace where you're really just drawing names out of a hat, essentially. Um, you know, you can put in search parameters, you can visit their profiles, you can see their, their rating and recommendations, and that's great. But you don't necessarily really get to know the person by just hiring somebody that way. So I believe in, in a deeper process where I'm not just, you know, 
providing a pass through where you come to me and then all of a sudden you get an assistant. I really listen to the client's needs, listen to who they are. There are a lot of sort of onboarding steps that we go through to figure out what's going to be a good fit for them. And then I personally, you know, with my leadership team, match them with an assistant who I also have a lot of information about and who I think is going to be a good fit. And we're seeing that more. Um, there are there are people who are dedicated to doing these matchmaking services. You know, maybe they don't run the company that provides the virtual assistant, but they might be the one who recommends my company, let's say, or another company or another virtual assistant. And so you can see that people are becoming more intentional about what they want and what they need in a virtual assistant. And they're spending more of their time and more of their money to find the right person. Because I think what we've seen, unfortunately, is that you can really waste a lot of time and money going through the wrong people, you know, so better to spend the time up front trying to find the right person. Uh, And that's a lot of what I teach and what I talk about to people. It's It's a lot of things. It's not just whether or not they can do the job. It's whether they, you know, come to their office with a smile, whether they are problem solvers, whether they're curious, whether they can speak coherently, you know, whether it's through an email or a Slack message or a text message. It's it's a lot of things. And I think people are understanding the value of that because once you have somebody who fits the full package, you can really start to make a difference in your company. And like you said earlier, it's not necessarily that they can do everything better than you. You know, you're still going to have to do some training and teach them. But ultimately, hopefully, you know, they'll be able to do all the things that you're not uniquely qualified to do so that you can do the things that make you the big bucks. <laughs> and and also, ideally, you know, the service pays for itself because you're able to gain those hours back in your day and your week and your month to make, uh, you know, products or or sell more coaching hours or whatever it is that you do and not have to worry about all the things behind the scenes. You've made some terrific points there, and and I know I've I've made a ton of mistakes over the years, and and spent huge amounts of time, <laughs> just just hours and hours and hours mm-hmm. finding people who who turned out not to be the people that they purported to be <laughs> or have the skills that they said they had. Right. Um, having having said that, I used Chris Ducker's Virtual Staff Finder mm-hmm. about five years ago now. Wow. Uh, and found um, a wonderful lady called Hannah, who is in the Philippines. And mm-hmm. Hannah's been working for our property management company for the last five years. That's great. And yeah, she, she has been absolutely amazing. So that is a little, uh, you know, that, that, that type, you, you mentioned sort of that type of company that doesn't actually employ the people, but they're a, they're a, a matchmaker. From personal experience, would recommend um, virtual staff finder just because of the process we went through in in terms of hiring it was very different from what I'd experienced before which was just going on to the the old style of Upwork and just clicking on a few names and thinking oh that she looks nice <laughs> <laughs> right right and and she's got a gazillion five-star reviews so must right. be okay then so so yes yeah, so I you know I, I have experienced using that type of of company Mm-hmm. Um, where they they've been a matchmaker. Now, of course, we have experience with Dope Panic Management personally because um, we've we've worked with your company to find just the right person to to help me out. And I'm at sort of the beginning of my relationship with Emily, but it's you know I'm really happy with how it's going. So so that that's another way of doing it. So 
let, let's let's go back a bit, step back a bit to, um, you know, what should somebody and and with us, it's an owner, a property owner, or a property mm-hmm. manager, or what should they do when they start looking for a VA? Because this is the problem. You know, people are overwhelmed as it is, mm-hmm. and then they think, oh, I'd like to offload some of this stuff, but they don't mm-hmm. know where to start, what to right. offload. You know, what what should they offload, and and where do they start looking? Well, I think first of all, it, it's about you and and figuring out those things that you do need to offload before you even start looking for somebody. Because if you don't know what you're going to be giving them or what you're going to be asking them to do, it's it's not going to be a fun search process because you're not going to be able to narrow down uh, what you need and who you need it from. So. Uh, I have a little exercise that I call the life audit and I call it a life audit and not a work audit because so many of us these days, we're not just working to get a paycheck. You know, we're working because we want a certain kind of lifestyle. And I think that goes for people in all kinds of industries, including property managers and owners. You know, they, they want to provide a certain kind of service for people, but they also want to live their lives. So, And so there are all kinds of things, you know, there are um, doing laundry, (laughs) getting groceries, you know, picking up kids or or making sure that you get a massage booked to relax. You know, there are all kinds of things that you do in your daily life, including work stuff, of course, you know, checking your contact forms or getting in touch with a renter or, uh, you know, fixing something, getting in touch with a contractor, you know, lots of things that go on. But I recommend making a list of everything, including personal things, so that you can see, you know, I I recommend starting on a Monday, just start whenever you wake up, you know, whether it's 6 a.m. or 10 a.m., and start listing down all the things that you do every day for a week. If you can do this for longer than that, that's great. You know, do it for a couple of weeks, do it for a month. And so then you see this aggregate of everything that you are doing and it's kind of a reality check. You know, you may not realize that you're spending two hours a day scrolling on Facebook or that you're, um, you know, that you leave your, your laundry to the last minute and then you have nothing to wear. Um, or maybe you, you have a dog or, or some other kind of pet that you need to take care of and that's taking time out of your day. It's important to be honest with this exercise. You know, some people don't want to list the things that they're maybe embarrassed that they do, but you need to do it. Nobody else is going to see it. And then, so after you've written every everything down, you can create another page or you can do this on the computer, however you want, that has four columns. And the columns are, first of all, the things that you love. The thing, the next column are the things that you hate, or if you don't want to use such strong words, you know, things that you dislike. (laughs) Um, The third column is things that are necessary. So maybe you don't love or hate them, but you know it's something that you need to be doing. And then the last column are things that are unnecessary. So things like if you're not a social media manager, maybe you don't need to be on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter for that many hours, <laughs> you know, maybe you do need to check once in a while, see how your, you know, your management company is doing or whatever it is that you, that you do look at for your business. But there are definitely going to be things on your list that are not necessary to your bottom line or to your personal well-being. So, so that's how you will go about categorizing everything on your list. 
Now, the things on your love list, even if they're not things that you're uniquely qualified to do, I just recommend keeping those. Those are things that maybe just make you really happy, things that make you feel a sense of progress. And, uh, you know, at this point, you might as well do things that you love, right? (laughs) Even if it's only, you know, 80% of the time, the goal is to get you to be doing things that you love and that you're uniquely qualified to do 100% of the time. And then the next list, the things that you hate, you know, that's, that's the easiest list to start thinking about delegating because it's things that are actually causing, you know, a pain point for you. So if it's, if it's getting groceries, if it's walking your dog, if it's, um, you know, sending a MailChimp email or, uh, checking, checking forms or checking your voicemail, you know, anything that it is, it can be the smallest little things Make sure you have that list and and think about whether those things are the kinds of things that you can, you know, automate or delegate. The things in the necessary column, which is column three, you know, whether you like it or not, they do need to get done. And a lot of times those are things that only you can do. But, you know, take another look and see if there are things that you can delegate from that list as well. And then the final list, of course, if they're not necessary, just don't do them stop doing them. <laughs> you know, they're, they don't, they don't help you in any way. They're a distraction. Um, they're things that are taking you away from doing your best work and you should be cognizant of them. And remember that when you start doing something that's unnecessary, say, Oh, how is this contributing to my bottom line? It's not okay. Got to stop doing it. You know, it's, it's important to, to be aware of them. Um, but try to remove them from your daily schedule. And then, you know, you could just start chipping away. I mean, I think that creating a job description for your virtual assistant is a useful exercise once you've figured out all the things that you can potentially delegate to them. Um, you know, even things like ordering groceries is something that a virtual assistant can do. Usually they don't really care if they're working for you on your company or if they're working for you as a whole person. You know, we've we've done things like, research summer camps for kids, um, you know, fill out enrollment forms for school, um, research, you know, beautiful bouquets of flowers to send when, when somebody, um, when it's somebody's anniversary, you know, it's, there are a lot of things that virtual assistants can do that you may not think of. And that's why I think the life audit is really valuable because you start to see, oh, I really don't need to be the one doing that. Why don't I see if there's somebody else that can do that? And not every virtual assistant is going to want to do all of those things, but a lot of times, you know, it doesn't hurt to ask and it doesn't hurt to, to tell them, you know, I've got a lot of balls in the air and I really want you to be helping me both with my business and my life. Um, because really at the end of the day, we all have 24 hours and it's about how we use them and it's not just about work. So, um, you know, creating that job description and, and looking and seeing what themes there are, you know, are there things, and I know Chris Ducker talks about this too. Sometimes it's better to hire for the type a virtual assistant than to try to find a unicorn who can do all of it. Um, and that's why, you know, sometimes an agency is really valuable because, you know, from my experience, a lot of our clients are smaller, you know, they don't have these, you know, <laughs> tens of thousands of dollars of budget to spend on an assistant. And so they want to be efficient and maybe they need some administrative assistance support, but they also need some social media support, or they also need some writing support, or they need Um, podcast production support. Well, that's not necessarily going to be the same person who can do all of those things. So working with an agency or finding 
a, a couple of different assistants who can do the different projects that you need is really valuable. So when you're looking, you know, I always recommend that you look to your network first. You know, if you know Heather, ask Heather what she recommends. <laughs> I think we know what you recommend already at this point, but see who you know in your network, maybe other people in your business, other people that you've worked with, see if they've have any had any experience with virtual assistants. A lot of times people are willing to share their virtual assistant because, you know, maybe they only need that VA for 10 hours a week but they don't want the VA to not have enough work <laughs> to, to survive and to continue being their VA. So they'll say, oh, you know what? I think my VA has some extra time. You should talk to them because they've been awesome for me and I think they, they'd be awesome for you. Now, of course, if there's any concern about confidentiality or competition or anything like that, you know, maybe you don't want to go that route, but asking people that you know first for a virtual assistant recommendation is always the best way to go. After that, you know, you've got your job description, post it on LinkedIn. Try and search for, you know, if you need a social media assistant, for example, search the terms social media virtual assistant as opposed to just typing in virtual assistant because you're going to get too many, <laughs> too many things spit back at you. Um, so type in the search terms that are related to the type of tasks that you want the virtual assistant to do. So, you know, I could go on and on. <laughs> the, I've got to those are my those are my initial uh, tips for for getting started. They're, they're really great tips. I've got a couple of questions here. And one, one one thing I wanted to say was that I hadn't thought about you know when I'm when I'm thinking about hiring a freelancer, I've only been thinking about work. Mm -hmm. I had never really considered the fact that you know there, there's some things I do in my everyday sort of domestic life mm -hmm. that, you know, like, like researching things that mm -hmm. take a lot of time and are tedious. Researching travel insurance companies or something yep. like that. And I had never given that a consideration, Jess, that you could actually mm. use a virtual assistant to do those things so that you could then go on and do the things that you love and are necessary mm -hmm. for your actual business. So that, yep. that, that was quite, that's quite an eye-opener when, when you said that. Yeah, a lot of people don't think about it. I and I, I'm not sure why. I've always thought of it that way, um, because I, again, I think because I've just thought of my my whole life as one thing. <laughs> it's never mm. like work life balance. Like everything is work, everything is life. I've tried to automate a lot of the things that I do. Uh, you know, even things like people laugh when I say this, but I have you know. I get annoyed about buying toilet paper, <laughs> just like hate having to remember to go to the store and get toilet paper. So now I have one of those Amazon Prime buttons and it lives in the basket where my toilet paper is. And when it starts getting low, I just press the button and two days later I get a shipment of toilet paper, you know? So it's like, it's not always just a virtual assistant doing things, but it, there are a lot of ways to make your life more efficient, but you can't figure out what those things are <laughs> if you don't you know, actually document them if you all don't, and think if you about don't document them. You're absolutely yeah. right. And I, I mm -hmm. think, I think that is, that is a great idea. Now, all I need is for somebody to go to the gym for me. <laughs> that one you can't delegate, unfortunately. <laughs> so let's say we've done a list. We've come up with the things that, that we feel that we want to outsource. Mm -hmm. How do you go about finding just that right person? Is there a personality issue do you do you look for somebody that is just like you or do you look for mm. somebody that has the opposite qualities 
That's a great question. So there's a lot, a lot of research around the types of people you should have in your organization. I'm not an expert on that, but I have done, you know, some significant research on it myself because I think that personalities are so important. Um, one of the things that we do on my team every year is we go on a retreat. Um, we have a, a business coach who facilitates the retreat for us. And um, one of the things we always do is we kind of see where we're at on this scale of, I think that she calls it like one side is a visionary and the other side is a grinder. <laughs> and, you know, as you could probably guess, the visionary is usually the CEO or the, um, you know, chief marketing officer. Usually the executive team has the visionaries because these are the people that are, are getting all the good ideas and are thinking about things that they can do to make the business better or to make someone's life better. But you can't have all visionaries because then nothing will get done. So you need people on the other side of the scale who are the grinders. And I feel very fortunate. My sort of number two right-hand lady is very much on the grinder side. Um, she loves getting her hands dirty. She loves, you know, going in and doing all the, all the work that I find extremely boring and tedious. And I, I didn't pick her necessarily. You know, I didn't know about that scale when, when I met her, but I did know that she had complementary skills to, to what I did. And I could show her, you know, I used to do all that stuff myself. So I could certainly show her how to do it all when I first hired her. But then she has just taken that and run with it. You know, she's set up our project management system. So it basically, it runs itself. You know, she has to go in and, and push things along sometimes. But the way she's set up like recurring tasks and templates and all these things that I would have never wanted to do, <laughs> quite frankly, even though I needed to do them, she's been able to do. So um, I do think you don't, you want somebody who can think for themselves, of course, but if you are particularly visionary, you definitely want somebody on the opposite side, on the grinder side, who loves to, to get in and do that, that work and, and really doesn't need any sort of praise or recognition for it. I, I definitely think you need to give feedback. I think you need to be a good manager in that way. But um, in my experience, the best virtual assistants don't need that. They're happy. They get they get their satisfaction from making progress on projects and from achieving results and getting work done. Um, so, so that's something to look out for is if somebody really needs like public recognition or, you know, praise all the time, it might not be a good fit for you because you're not going to have time to be giving that all the time. And their whole point is that they're behind the scenes. You know, they're not necessarily on your website. They don't necessarily communicate with your clients. So, um, you know, finding somebody who's humble in that way is important. Um, the other thing that I always try to look for, and I mentioned this earlier, is is someone who's curious, somebody who doesn't, who, you know, like I said, you're still going to have to train someone. You can't expect them to know everything that's in your head but someone who can go and seek solutions for problems without having to come to you every time. Uh, I think in the beginning, you know, the first three months or so, you're going to have a lot of back and forth, a lot of questions, a lot of answers that you may have to dig for. You know, some of the questions I've gotten from VAs, I'm like, huh, I don't know the answer to that. I've never thought of that. But they're asking these questions because they're trying to be useful. 
And so the more that you can give them up front, the better it's going to be for you in the long term. But, you know, if you're getting silly questions, you know, things that they could have Googled, things that are in a folder in a in a Dropbox that you've already given them access to where it's clear that they didn't even go looking for it. You know, those are some red flags um, that you want to try to avoid. But in general, people who who like to solve problems and who want to think of efficient ways to get things done and implement those efficient ways, whether it's through a project management tool or a communication system, um, just people who are really process driven is is great uh, for a virtual assistant. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, strong communication skills. I think that being virtual just comes with some unique challenges. You know, you're not in the office with them. You can't just tap them on the shoulder and say, how are you doing today? (laughs) Uh, You know, you can have Slack channels or, you know, different communication tools to be checking in with people, but it's not the same as being in person with them. So you need to have somebody who is a strong communicator and they don't have to be chatty. You know, that's, that's a different thing, but somebody who can tell you, give you updates on projects, tell you exactly what's going on, uh, be able to be transparent. You know, if, if something's going on in their lives, you probably want to know about it. Maybe you don't need all the details, but if they don't tell you and then their work starts slipping, that's not a good situation for anybody. So, you know, I always tell my assistants, you don't have to tell me what the issue is, but if something's going on, just let me know because I can give you a little, uh, a little wiggle room with deadlines, or I can be more patient if you um, you know, aren't responsive for some reason. And, you know, that, that can only go so far. If somebody's having a bad day for 30 days, you know, maybe you don't want to be working with them, but developing those, those trust patterns and those clear lines of communication are really important. So, so starting off with knowing exactly what you want them to do, Mm -hmm. um, with providing training. So how, how do you do that? So, so how, how do you help um, a freelancer understands, you know, your your corporate culture, um, how you like to have things done. I, th- I think that's where I've got a bit held up at, at times. It's like, oh, my mm-hmm. God, I've got to spend all this time teaching somebody how to do this stuff the way I want it done. Yeah. Well, if you don't feel like you have the time, I mean, I always recommend that people try to have this idea of working with a virtual assistant or with somebody else in the back of their mind for a while if they can, so that they can start putting together these processes before they need them. <laughs> and that way, you know, you're you're doing the work when you have time so that when it does get really busy, you're not gonna have to worry about that. Now, it might be too late for some people. They might not have that luxury of having thought of it earlier. And that's okay. I mean, we do build in sort of an onboarding process. Um, where, you know, you have to fill out some surveys for us where we get to know you a little bit better and get, you know, get your logins and very basic things. But you could have been, you know, you could have been building a Google Doc or a LastPass folder with those logins all along, and that would have made it easier for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you didn't, that's okay. You know, we don't we don't want you to feel overwhelmed. We want to prioritize what's important to you. What are your biggest projects right now? And we want to learn how to do those right now. So, you know, through an hour kickoff where we do like a screen share on Zoom or something like that, where you actually go through and show us how you do something 
Um, we record it, you know, we're in charge of, of managing that. Sometimes we transcribe these calls. Um, but the idea is that you have to do it, but it's, it's efficient because we're there, we're there asking questions. We're, we're pausing you if we're not clear on something and then we're documenting the process. So that's a great thing to ask your virtual assistant to do. If you don't already have processes documented, have them do it. So Mm -hmm. that way, if at any point, you know, you don't need them anymore or you run out of budget or you just are done, you don't like them for whatever reason, uh, and you're looking for a new virtual assistant, the process is there. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Um, the virtual assistant has created that for you and, and creates it usually in like a Google Doc or something like that. So it can be easily shared and passed off to somebody else. So um I don't know. I, I think if you can do it, even just like one thing per week, you know, add it to your agenda. Okay, this week I'm going to create a video in Camtasia or ScreenFlow or something like that that shows someone, some imaginary person, you know, even if you don't have a virtual assistant yet, that shows them how I set up my Facebook ads or how I set up a new property listing or how I write my email newsletter campaigns. You know, just try to almost create an editorial calendar for yourself where you just do one of those per week. And usually we can get a lot from just, you know, five of those. So it doesn't have to take you that long. It's like by the time you found somebody, you know, gone through the interview process, gotten the paperwork together, all of that, you will already have some processes documented that you can just hand over to them Mm -hmm. and then they can spend the time going through them and and compiling any questions if it's unclear but that way you're sort of chipping away at the work of preparing them instead of doing it all at once that's great that's great so you mentioned a couple of things that, that people outsource you know social media so social media tasks what what are the top things that that entrepreneurs in your experience actually outsource rather than doing it themselves yeah, the definitely. I mean, our bread and butter at Don't Panic is still the very, you know, admin level virtual assistant tasks like scheduling meetings, booking travel, doing contracts, even sending invoices, you know, really those sort of operation-y admin tasks. That's definitely a big thing. And that's sort of the first thing that I've seen entrepreneurs slip on. You know, they're like, oh, I missed another meeting or, oh, I booked my flight to the wrong airport or I, I forgot to book a hotel and now I'm, I'm stranded and I, <laughs> I don't know where to go. You know, those kinds of things are are big pain point for people and are often the first things that they want to delegate. Uh, then, you know, for us, it's, we see a lot of people who are, like I said, smaller business owners who want to develop their thought leadership, whether it's for their personal brand or for their business. And so they need help creating content. Now, whether that's a podcast or social media content or blog posts, you know, for us, we can do all of it. But that sort of thought leadership content marketing exercise is something where it's like they have the ideas they know what they want to say, but they don't want to be in charge of making it happen. <laughs> so, well, you know, maybe they're, they want to write blog posts, but they're a bad writer. Well, that shouldn't stop you from getting your ideas out there. You can still, you can tell, you know, a content assistant 
on the phone all the things you want to say in an article and that assistant can then take your actual ideas and your actual words and put them into you know a thousand word blog post that that they can then publish on your website for you so all you have to do is be the visionary have the ideas and be able to explain them clearly <laughs> to somebody else. And then the assistant takes it from there. Mm-hmm. And they can not only write the post, but they can edit it. They can um, format it for your content management system. They can upload it and they can source an image and you know even write social media content to share it. So they can do all the nuts and bolts of making that thing get published. Um, but we just need the idea from yeah. you. So, yeah, I would say the admin stuff and the content stuff are, are the biggest ones that I see. What's what's the most unusual task you've ever been asked to survive? To, oh, to, to man. <laughs> well, from the admin perspective, that's usually where we get the strange tasks, you know, Um Somebody's going to meet someone for lunch and the person they're meeting has some very specific dietary restrictions or uh, or literally wants a chicken Caesar salad for lunch. And so then we have to find a restaurant within walking distance of this office that has a chicken Caesar salad. You know, it's like maybe it's not so strange, but very specific, mm-hmm. you know, requests like that. Um, we just have some we have some high profile clients that um, just are very picky about things. Um, You know, I've gotten questions like, can you find out what exactly I'm allowed to bring on the plane? It's like, why? (laughs) But we don't usually ask why we just say, okay, here are the rules, you know, having discretion, I think is something that uh, a good assistant possesses because, there are times when they need all the details, but but they don't always need all the details. You know, maybe it's something like the the client has a medication that's a liquid, or you know, they're they're just wondering whether they can, um, you know, bring their mom's chicken noodle soup on the plane, something like that. Like it's not, it's never been something illegal, or you know, that's when we would definitely need more <laughs> information, and we wouldn't want to do it, but. Um, there are a lot of things like that where it's just kind of strange. Um, there are also things where we've noticed clients don't always pay attention, which in some ways is good because it shows that they trust us and that they care enough, you know, about us that they believe, you know, we can handle it. But we've had some, you know, content management clients, for example, where they've sent us content that's just so horrible, you know, full of typos. It doesn't make any sense. You know, whoever the writer was on that project really did a bad job. (laughs) The client didn't necessarily look at it. They just said, okay, here's the next blog post. Can you get this scheduled? And then we say, you know, have you looked at this? It's really, uh, could use some work. (laughs) And then they go, oh, you know. So there are things like that, too, where, um, you know, sometimes it's an uncomfortable conversation of saying this really, are you sure you want to do this? But, um, you know, mm-hmm. it's ultimately up to the client the way they want to run their business. And we just try to look out for them and try to do things that they want. You've mentioned a couple of things. You mentioned Zoom. You've mentioned Slack. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I am comfortable with using Zoom and Slack and Asana. That, that's another um, platform that mm-hmm. we use as sort of a project management platform. How do your clients and your assistants communicate? Do your clients choose their method of communication um, or is, is there sort of a proprietary selection of platforms that you like to use? 
Yeah, we we try to make it as easy as possible for people to integrate with an assistant. We don't want to force any sort of technology, especially because some of our clients really are not tech savvy, and we don't want that to be a barrier to working with us. So um, we'll use whatever the client uses, and if they don't use any of those things, we will suggest them. I mean, Asana is definitely one of our favorite project management tools. And some people just don't have a project management system because either they don't feel like they need it or they don't want to spend the time figuring it out. And so we can set that all up for them and then they can continue to do business however they want. Some of our clients don't, they have an Asana account, but they don't open it. You know, we manage it for them. They send us stuff through emails. You know, they send us tasks and projects through email. And then we manage the Asana account for them. And we set our own deadlines. And if there are other people that we're communicating with, we maybe are are working through Asana with them. But we don't necessarily need the client to adopt anything. Um, we just want to do what's going to work for them. And that's generally what I tell clients. It's like, we don't care what you do, but you have to do it and you have to be consistent with it. So if you're always going to send us tasks via email, that's fine. But don't try not to at least send us some tasks via text message and some tasks mm-hmm. via Asana and some, you know, you're going to lose stuff that way. And I mean, a really good assistant can manage that and and should be able to manage that. But it just can get tricky, especially for the client because they're like, when did we, where did we have this conversation? I can't find a record. Of, and it's like, oh, because you talked to us in three different channels and three different days. Um, so we just try to get, you know, no matter what the tool is or the system is, we just try to get the client to be consistent with it. And we can really work with whatever you need. Um, we have clients who use Trello, Basecamp, you know, um, Skype, Zoom, whatever, they, they're they all different kinds of mm-hmm. tools. They're all kind of the same. So that's why for us, it doesn't really matter. There's just, you know, different places to click and different ways to upload files. But, um, you know, ultimately, like I said, it's really what works for the client because it's hard enough. I mean, it's hard enough to get them to, to let go, like you said. And so we don't want to cause, add, add, I should say, any friction to that experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great, great, great points. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm a sucker for a, a new organization platform. Mm. Um, something will come up and it's all brand new and um, shiny. And I, mm-hmm. I then spend, you know, countless wasted hours, unnecessary. Right. <laughs> These right. unnecessary hours on thinking about learning a new platform and, and really just being consistent with the ones that uh, – that, that we already use. We, I mean, we use Slack, we use Asana and then use Zoom for, for meetings, which is, mm-hmm. is, is terrific. So mm-hmm. yeah, find one that you like and stick with it is my, yeah, I just have to stop myself from. <laughs> well, a- it is fun. I mean, I'm with you. I, I love exploring new tools and setting them up and, but it is, it's just a procrastination tactic. I mean, it's, <laughs> you're not really getting anything done. Um, and so yeah, it's one of those probably unnecessary things that you need to yeah. throw out the window. <laughs> I know. One one thing we haven't discussed, Jess, and, and I know I'll be asked about this, is, well, how much does a virtual assistant cost? How much mm-hmm. should you be considering spending? Because mm-hmm. I, know, I know when I've gone on to um, Upwork in the past, I mean, you could the, the range is quite phenomenal. You know, how, how do you know that you're getting, you're, you're getting a, the job done well, you're getting value for money, but you're also paying you're getting what you pay for, really. 
Right, right. Well, just like you said, you can really pay anything. And so it's more about your values. And there are three things, and I always say you can pick two. So the three things are quality, speed, and cost. So, you know, you can have good quality and, and, and high speed of getting things done, but you're not necessarily going to find that cheap. You can have somebody who's cost effective or cheap. Cheap sounds cheap. I'm not yeah. going to use that word. <laughs> cost effective um, is good. And, and fast, but not necessarily good quality. So you have to think about what are the things that are most important to you. And then, you know, look at your budget. I mean, everybody's different. Everybody has a different idea of what's reasonable, but try to take the guesswork out of it by just seeing how much money you have. I mean, if you think you have $500 a month to spend on a virtual assistant, you know, and, and you've got, I don't know, 10 hours a week that you think you need to delegate, okay, we'll figure out what that hourly rate will be. And see if you can find anybody for it and see if you can find anybody who meets your criteria for, you know, quality speed. If not, then you might need to start at five hours a week for that budget and see how it goes. I mean, ideally, like I said earlier, you're going to spend a certain amount and it's an investment and the investment is going to pay off. So theoretically, even if you have $500 to spend right now and you're getting somebody for whatever that rate is, um, soon, hopefully you'll be able to have a thousand dollars to spend and then you'll be able to double that person's hours and get more of their time and, and so on. You know, you want to be able to, um, spend money and make money here and it doesn't happen overnight, but if you're, if you're being intentional about what you're using that newfound time on, you should be able to reap the benefit and, and see the ROI of the money that you're spending and then have more money. Mm -hmm. Um, if you start to see that, Maybe the person you hired at whatever, 10 to $15 an hour doesn't really have the chops that you need and the quality, you know, the, the attention to detail or the quality work that you need. You might need to spend a little more money to get someone who has more experience and who maybe has done this longer or whatever it is. I mean, you can spend up to $100 an hour probably for a virtual assistant if they're very specialized. You almost maybe would not call it a virtual assistant at that point um, because it's, you know, doing a little bit more <laughs> than you would expect. But, um, you know, our rates are between $40 and $60 an hour. Um, Chris, I think, you know, you can find assistance with um, Fiverr or with other, you know, offshore agencies for three to five dollars an hour. So it really, again, depends on on your values and and your budget and what you're looking for. Um, I would say the average is probably twenty five to forty dollars an hour for a really good admin assistant, and then it goes up from there for you know more specialized skills like podcasting and writing and things like that. Yeah, I've I've always addressed this issue when people have said, "Oh, I I, I can't afford to to outsource," mm -hmm. and and my argument has always been because you know I've I've taught myself this over the years. You know, how do you value your own time? Yep, and exactly. if you're an entrepreneur and you value your time at 150 or 200 dollars an hour, would you spend that on on sending invoices? Right. Would you, that's would you, exactly right. Yeah. Would you pay somebody a hundred dollars an hour to send invoices? Because that's what you're paying um, yourself. And if, when you start breaking it down like that, you see the exponential value, <laughs> you know, if so you're paying someone $15 an hour, but you would charge $150 mm -hmm. an hour. I mean, it's, it's clear. 
when I've spoken to people, you see, you see the light come in their eyes and think, well, if, mm-hmm. if I was able to, uh, to to get rid of some of this stuff and then I could focus on the really valuable stuff that is going to increase my bottom line and, and make my company more valuable, then clearly this is a good idea. Yeah, I love that moment when the, <laughs> the eyes light up and they're like, oh, huh, I never thought of that. <laughs> yeah, Je- Jess, this has been great. You've, been, you've, you've, um, you've given them some, a lot of food for thought here. And I'm sure that there's, there's people who are listening to this who are thinking, you know, I really need to think about this in, in more depth and start making my lists. Um, mm-hmm. So there's plenty of places that they can go. They can go to Upwork. They can you know, just go online, as you say, and, and just Google virtual assistant for whatever mm-hmm. task they want. But, um, you know, tell us about Don't Panic Management, uh, you, you know, your own company and, and how you could help. Um, sure. And a little bit about your company values, because I, I love how you describe yourself as being director of Calm. <laughs> well, and that the whole name of the company and the name of my position is just as much for myself as it is for clients. You know, I have to remind myself to take a breath and calm down sometimes. But having that value in general that, you know, nothing's an emergency. I mean, we don't work with with ER doctors. We don't work with rocket scientists. We work with people who are running businesses that, yes, the work is important. Of course it is. But it, it rarely is anything on fire. You know, rarely are there these emergencies. And if you can just take a step back and be a little more realistic about what you're doing and what's important. You're just going to be happier at the end of the day. And so it's important to us to help facilitate that happiness. <laughs> so, you know, being organized, being calm, you know, being a, a voice of reason in sometimes what, what our clients have are, you know, very chaotic businesses. That's what we try to provide. And I would say one of the big differences with us is that when you work with us, we work on retainer. You're not just, um, you know, putting tasks into a system and having some random person spit them back out to you. Um, You are assigned one assistant usually, sometimes more than one if you have different projects, like I mentioned earlier. But the, the idea is that you're developing a partnership. And, and this person is not only, you know, just working for you, getting things done, but is looking out for you in your business. Um, we've had clients who are speakers and authors and people like that who we've been able to raise their rates for, per speaking gig between, you know, five and $15,000 per gig. And that's because we're saying, you know what, you're worth more than you think you are. And we're able to help them sort of build that confidence and make that money, you know, we're doing it partly for ourselves to, to stay in a job. We want them to be able to afford us, of course, but, but ultimately we're doing it because we care about them. And that's because we've worked with them for a while and we've developed that partnership and that trust. And, you know, they can come to us and say, well, what do you think I should do? And, you know, we're not their, their therapist or their business coach or anything like that, but, but we can say, well, based on what I've seen in the past, You know, and this happens to me all the time with with certain clients. They say, I don't know if I should come back Friday night or Saturday morning, for example, on a flight. And I say, well, you know, you like to have your weekends. It's important for you to have your weekends free. I think you should come back Friday so you can wake up in your own bed on Saturday. And sometimes they say, okay, let's do it. And sometimes they say, oh, I don't know. I might go back on Saturday. And then inevitably I get a call a week later saying, can you switch that flight to Friday instead? And it's like, (laughs) okay, (laughs) I knew it. Um, But, you know, that's just part of the job. But but that's um, that's the difference for us. And 
And we do that, like I said, by spending a lot of time up front with our clients, understanding their needs and hopefully trying to understand some of the things they're not saying. Um, I, I try to get more into like what's causing you anguish <laughs> because like you even said, you know, sometimes you don't realize the things that are are getting in your way. And so we try to remove those barriers on not such a clinical level, more of like an emotional level. Uh, I mean, it turns out to be tasks, yes, but but understanding those things and getting to the root of the the problems with our clients is is sort of what mm-hmm. what I do. And I think, you know, not a lot of companies do that, and not a lot, not everybody needs that. You know, if you know that you just need some data entry or you just need some, um, you know, number crunching, you may not need this high level of service, and and that's totally fine. Um, but for the people who want, you know, m- maybe they they work in um, very sensitive environments, whether it's with data or with people, they want to have somebody on their team that they trust with the communication and the the discretion to to do that and the only way you can develop that kind of relationship is with having trust and working with the same person you know for days and weeks and months and years so um we focus mostly like i said we have kind of two arms of our business the administrative assistant side and the content marketing side and like i said the content really encompasses everything from podcast and video production to blog writing to blog management to email marketing, you know, anything related to content we can do. Um, And, you know, some people like that as well, because a lot of you think of virtual assistants as really just like the admin side, and it doesn't have to be that Mm -hmm. just that, you know, it can be more than that. And that's what, you know, we, we are virtual assistants, but we do think we're trying to figure out another term for it, because we feel like we, we do more than just the assistant stuff, you know, we, we are more like partners, more um, like um, yeah, the, the par- associates. Par- partners sounds partners does sound better, and, and yeah. certainly that's the way we're we're looking at our relationship with you. So, uh, I mean, we're going to continue working with you um, for some considerable time. I, I know. Hey, Jess, it's been we're sort of approaching our time now, so I, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. And, you too. And thank you for sharing so much on the. The, the concept of, of having a, a virtual assistant or partner or freelancer or whatever we're going to call these, <laughs> these great people who can provide all these services. So, um, so yeah, it's been, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Well, that was such a, just so much content in there. Yeah, you can tell that, uh, that Jess is absolutely passionate about what she does and I love, you know, the values that surround um, their business. If you decide that you want to do some outsourcing and whether you decide to go with Don't Panic Management or try out um, Virtual Staff Finder or just go to Upwork uh, or even Fiverr, I can't endorse the, the idea of outs- outsourcing enough. I just think it's, it's, it's great that people are out there who can do all the things that you don't want to do or that you have to do, but aren't contributing to your bottom line. And once you start pushing those out to another person, then you will find that you've got so much more time to create money for your company. Jess has let me share her audit with you, the audit forms. So if you go to the show notes, you'll be able to download those. You will also find how to contact Jess at don'tpanicmanagement.com 
and or the other contact information that that you may want if you'd like to get in touch with Jess. Organize a an initial chat with her. I'll also put the uh, the other links that I mentioned to the uh, the communication platforms and to Virtual Staff Finder, Upwork. Everything we've mentioned, I'll make sure all the links are on the show notes. So, so that's it for this week. It's always a pleasure to be with you. I uh, hope you enjoyed this. I'm inspired again to do this audit and maybe outsource a few more things. So I'd love to hear from you what you outsource, if you already do, or what you'd love to outsource, and, and if you need any help with, uh, with getting that sent out to somebody else to take care of. So have a great week. Uh, I'm be looking forward to talking with you again next week. And in the meantime, take care. This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business.